0: Welcome to the Life 21 Church Podcast. Thanks for joining with us today as we explore the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that as you listen, you would come to more fully understand the answer to this age-old question, who is this Jesus? Welcome to episode 23. We are excited to have you joining with us today as we explore Jesus's relationship with followers. Verse 14 through 22 is our reading today. In verse 14, Jesus had just transitioned from ministering to a leper and ministering to a centurion's servant, healing both as a demonstration of his Sermon on the Mount as he exemplified the Father's heart to heal, to bless anyone. Verse 14, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. I love this transition as Jesus coming down from the mountainside and teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He heals first a Jewish outcast, representing an unloved one, an untouchable one that he himself is willing to touch. Second, he heals the servant of a centurion, an oppressor of Israel, a hated one, and Jesus sends forth the word and heals him. Now we see Jesus entering the intimate space of his lead apostle, his lead disciple, and Peter's mother-in-law, the mother of his wife, yes, Peter had a wife, you don't see her very often, but there's a reference to uh, his wife in the epistles and you see his mother-in-law here. Jesus comes into that moment and doesn't pass over the ones closest to him. I love that about God. Many of us have maybe grown up in a context where our parents, or our family, if we grew up in a Christian home, I know for myself, there was a temptation at times for us to be outwardly focused on looking at caring for everybody else, spending our time on impacting the world when the world or God's kingdom was right in front of us, at our home, at our place. Jesus doesn't pass over Peter's mother-in-law. He reaches out as he often does and he touches her hand and the fever left her. I love that power that Jesus' body, filled with the Holy Spirit, upon the point of contact, the heavenly virtue that was on him passed into the mother-in-law, and the effects of sin and death couldn't coexist with the power of the Spirit of life. I want to encourage us today that Jesus Christ, even as you are listening to this podcast by the spirit of God, he is imparted into you the same power. For there are many people that you are touching, even physically, people's hands that you are shaking, loved ones that you are embracing, and Jesus is empowering you with kingdom life so that the effects of sin and death cannot coexist as his glory and his power step in to the moment. What's her response? What does she do? She immediately begins to wait upon him. As I'm teaching this morning through this episode, I really get a sense that for some of you, whether you're listening or this is for a loved one in your life, there are many of us that have such a deep desire to serve Jesus. God's put in us an incredible desire to serve him, to minister to him, to do things for him, but many of us are laid out under the effects of sin and death. Maybe it's a physical ailment, or maybe it's an internal attitude that you can't shake like a sickness. It keeps you from loving and pursuing God and building his kingdom in the way that you desire. Be encouraged that Jesus Christ is well able to enter into the house of your body, to enter into the house of your soul, to see you there, and as he reaches out his hand to touch you, you will be set free so that you can do the serving of him that your heart desires. I just think of this happy mother-in-law who, in knowing that the king of glory has come into her home, the leader of her son-in-law, Peter, I'm sure she wanted to do the thing that she loved to do, to host and to care, but she was unable. But Jesus said, no, we've had enough. Be well. Not only is Jesus interested in healing her, but Jesus is constantly healing and touching us personally and filling our houses, our households, and our families with his glory so that the next verse can happen even today Verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Isaiah chapter 53 is a beautiful prophetic description of all the different things that this Messiah figure would do. And one of them was that he would be empowered to literally take sicknesses and diseases and carry them away from the person. A few things that I want to speak into about this, specifically regarding the demons. It says that he drove out the spirits with a word. A quick Insight into this, demonic spirits come in through words. Think of a spirit of fear, a spirit of rejection, different demonic entities whose goal and whose fruit is to establish someone in a certain type of bondage. They are sent by word from the evil one, like Jesus expressed in the Sermon on the Mount. They are directed by words, by words from their superior officers. Like an army, they are told, go and attack Susie with this. Go bring anxiety onto her life. Imprison her in her mind and her speculations That all of her calling, all of God's blessings, everything would be rendered ineffective as she lives under anxiety. That's the command structure, the word that sends them. Then when they approach the person, they begin speaking words that become their doorways or their access points. So as spirit comes to Susie and begins to speak through people in her life, through media, maybe direct into her mind, Susie, you are ugly. Susie, you are unlovable. Susie, you will be rejected. Susie, if you share yourself with others, you will be teased and made fun of. To the degree that Susie, knowingly or unknowingly, comes into agreement with those words, she attaches herself or becomes attached to that spirit's rulership. So I picture Jesus even now. These people are coming in, demon-possessed, afflicted by evil spirits. And what does Jesus declare? He speaks words to remove them. Words of the Lord rebuke you, I command you to leave. The word of Satan and their authority line that sent them out is broken by the command of a greater authority. Jesus, as the Lord of hosts, retains the ultimate authority, and when he speaks, your assignment is broken, your authority is canceled, the word that you are under to fulfill is broken, and here's a new word, get up and leave, is a category of word he speaks, and an invitation, even to you now as a believer, to begin to utilize the words of authority that Jesus gave you. The second category of words is words that heal the wound and the point of agreement by which the Satan has entered. I'm sure Jesus spoke to these people. You are loved. You are known. You will not be rejected, Susie. If everyone else teases what you reveal of yourself, I'll cherish every part. I love that, that with the leper, Jesus didn't just say be healed, he touched the man though he could have been infected though the leper was knowingly exposing people and constantly had people pulling back jesus didn't just heal his body he touched the man physically and in that touched a deep rejection place in his soul so we see it again jesus deals with these spirits by word and even beyond that he heals all the physical manifestations of sickness that often come through these same spirits. We continue with verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. We see that he was in the area of Capernaum. There was a large crowd. It was evening and clearly Jesus had a sense or at least a desire to get away from the crowd onto the next thing. And it's in that context as they're trying to transition that a teacher of a law comes, verse 19, then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I love this, how the teacher of the law sees this mighty man of God healing people, casting out demons, and he's about to transition, get in a boat, and the teacher of the law says, please, I want to keep going. I don't want the show to end. And it's interesting Jesus' response. He doesn't affirm the man's desire to follow. He doesn't rebuke the man saying you're unfitting. He just clarifies what the path will be like if the man follows. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus had been ministering in the comfort of a home his best friend or lead disciples, home. But now Jesus is transitioning and he does not know the context in which he'll be ministering or living. And I love how Jesus is so gracious. He wants us to follow him, but he is open and upfront about what following him will look like. We don't know if the teacher sacrifice the comfortability of house and home and a safe space to sleep and follow Jesus, or if when he heard the clarifying point of what it would look like, he turned aside. But the encouragement and the warning remains for us today. Is your bed, is your home, is your food, is your relational security, is any of it more comfortable to you than the comfort of the Son of Man? the Lord of the heavens and the earth. If so, I guarantee you this, you will struggle to follow him into everything he's calling you, for he will indeed always call you out and into places where you are tested and any place you are pursuing something over him, he will visit that place, he will call you out, and he will give you an opportunity to see clearly, am I committed to Jesus Above this comfort, or does the comfort rule over me? Verse 21, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, this wasn't a teacher of the law. This was a disciple, one who had come under in a specific and somewhat formal way, the teachings of Jesus. And he says, Lord, you're in a transition point. I want to go first and bury my father so then I can go. What I love about Jesus is that jesus is not harsh but he knows his own time and season he knows exactly what the father's doing he knows what time it is and what his transition will be like and so jesus says to him no follow me and let the dead bury their own dead harsh words difficult words this is not of course an excuse for what the Pharisees would do or what we can do under religion and, and, and fear, where we sacrifice family and prioritizing family and loving family at the expense of trying to follow Jesus, but not actually what he's asking. Now, at the same time, Jesus has things for us. And I know it's so it would be so rare for Jesus to actually today, by his spirit, to ask us to forsake a funeral process to follow him. But there have been times throughout the world when what Jesus was doing in someone's heart and through his kingdom, it required people even forsaking such a special moment. And so Jesus clarifies, no, I'm alive. Many are dead. Let those who are unwilling to follow me, unwilling to come to me, Those who don't want life, care for life, let them bury the ones that die around them even as they're dead on the inside. But if you actually want to live and bring life to many, follow me. It's the challenge for us today. And as we conclude this reading, this podcast episode, I want to point you to the prayer prompt today. It's Jesus, what are you most excited to lead me into? We see that Jesus's relationship with his followers is one of blessing, Caring for us, caring for our loved ones like Peter's mother-in-law. But it's also one of discipline and abandonment and sacrifice where Jesus wants to bless him with all that he is and all the Father has, but in that we must be tested and we must forsake everything for the sake of him that no other commitment, no other priority would block the blessing of receiving all that the Father has for us. Let's follow him today. Thanks for joining with us today. May God continue to reveal to you by his Spirit who indeed is this Jesus.